Welcome back to the season, fourth season of Scare Topless. This is a very special season for us, and we're super excited for our episode today. I am your producer, Tyler, and I'm here with... Jess. And, and Danny. And today, um, we're switching it up a bit. I'm going to be hosting today, and I'm going to be talking about the Japanese serial killer known as Hanging Pro. So, um, how's everyone feeling today? feeling good i feel excited to hear about this because it's kind of like a change of um pace i guess you could say and it's not really often that you also host an episode and every single time you do you always bring like such a great topic yeah Mm -hmm. so it's kind of nice to hear what you're gonna say i'm also excited for the japanese serial killer oh, yeah. because, we're, gonna, we're gonna have yeah. some interesting t- stuff to talk about yeah like we all we, we usually do, will do like very north american kind of like episodes even yeah. with the paranormal ones um so i'm like yes yeah change your pace give me something global so global global yeah <laughs> global. mr worldwide <laughs> uh so just as a warning this does this episode will contain some uh gruesome and explicit content uh, trigger warnings include gore, SA, rape, things of that sort. Oh, I'm so um, excited. And it's, and, and it's very, very recent. Oh. Um, it's within the contemporary world. It's 2017. Wow. No way, because last night I was Googling. I was like, what are some recent c- serial killers within the last 10 decades? Because I was like, I feel like a lot of them are from like the 70s, 80s. Um, and I was like, what are, are there ones that are active? Like in our kind of, yeah. I don't know, our our generation and Mm -hmm. so the fact that you're now doing a 2017 i'm scared yeah well 2017 like i was just starting university yeah right yeah Yeah. that's where i was starting so i remember what my first year was looking like so as i was doing my research on this i was thinking it was like dude i was so young and naive back then i was a different person and looking back on this this was happening while i was like conscious doing something else in the other part of the world so i just i found that really interesting um so some of my previous topics included um, folk stories, paranormal, um, etc. Stuff that we did in our house. This time, I found a topic that I was endlessly interested in, and I suddenly came across it. And honestly, I wrote it in just one manic episode one night because I just kept going down the rabbit hole of new article, new article, articles that were coming out as it was uh, happening. Right, oh. so that's that's different, right? A lot of our stories, it's all in retrospective. It's one long article or one long story that you can hear, but there's the one article by Daily Mail UK that is like a synopsis of everything, but the Japanese articles explain it as it's happening. So here's what's happening on the first day. This is somebody getting convicted. This is as the story's unfolding, and so on and so forth. So. Suddenly, I was just enamored by all this different content and different ways people are reading it and um, how they're editing and changing the story as it's coming, because mm-hmm. it's coming to life, essentially. Um, so a little bit of background for me, I'm a huge fan of Japanese horror, um, yeah. Japanese horror manga. I love Jinja Ito. I love the stories of Tomi and Uzumaki, Gyo, um, some of the stuff that's Uzumaki not Ito. Uzumaki was creepy. Uzumaki's real cool. You need to put me can on. We give like a, can we give like a reco, um, a reco if someone wanted to like, I don't know, read or something, uh, something spooky maybe like as Halloween. So uh, I like, a, I've been, I just picked up Ibitsu. Ibitsu is a goth lolita Japanese horror manga that's based off of a folk story of a girl who hangs out near garbage cans <gasps> dressed up as a as a little sister and will try to follow you home calling you older brother i think i've read that one is it the cover like she has like stitches maybe yeah okay i really yeah. read that yeah and her the her neck is like super long and I she has dead looking eyes yeah it's a very very interesting story and it's like a short read right it's relatively short yeah, yeah I, I don't think it's it's not like 70 chapters i think it's just one volume and you can get through it yeah, I read so. that. That one is good. And I, you need to put me on for other recommendations. Maybe we can even... The only one I've read is the episode. spiral one. And that one got me fucked up. The Uzu- <laughs> I, I, think like, was, oh, I think that was... I think that was the one. That, yeah, uh, yeah, Uzumaki should be the spiral one. Yeah. That's Jinji Ito. He's kind of like the number one kind of like person go-to. you want to go to. Yeah. He's super well-known. His art is incredible. He's been doing it most of his life. So um, as a result of that being my background... This story came really, really naturally t- to me yeah. because some of those Japanese horror manga stories um, are based off of their folklore, 
but also some of them are based off of true stories. Mm-hmm. So to get into this, um, the guy that we're talking about today, his name is Takahiro Shirashi, um, but he's typically known by his Twitter handle, Hanging Pro. Oh so, my god, Twitter handle? Yeah, so this, this is... story is about to it's, like... It's good, because this is big city Japan, this is right in to- the heart Tokyo? of Tokyo. Um, he predominantly uses um, social media uh, to get his uh, victims. Okay. Um, he had nine victims, ages 15 to 26, that he found through social media Twitter stalking. Oh my god. Just on yeah, Twitter stalking? Pretty much, yeah. Strictly off, like, there's no other cases. It was all off of uh, Twitter handles. And the shortest period of time that he was able to capture someone and then kill them was one day. Wow. Yeah. So wow. he was very How many proficient. victims again? Nine. Nine. So eight females, one male. Um... They were all victims who were found to have suicidal tendencies that were shared via Twitter, social media, etc. Oh my god! Oh my god! He's literally such like that is such a, like a thing a predator will do is like look for someone who's already like weak, right? And yeah. They're like mm-hmm. going through stuff, and it's like, hey, you're the one. Yeah. I feel like like it'll be easy for me. That's I, like easy prey, basically. Yeah. I feel like I've heard of this story, maybe. It sounds very familiar on one of those, you know, when you're binge watching like horror videos, like at midnight. Yeah. Um, and everything. It sounds very familiar, but I don't remember the details. So I'm really excited to like have you like refresh my memory. Because now that you mentioned the Twitter stuff and then that piece of detail, oh my God. So then he would just DM them. Pretty much, and start like being Pretty friends much. with them and yeah. Shit. So l- oh. let me let me get into it, and yeah. I can I can give you a sense of what's going on. So he's typically using tactics of coercion and psychological dependency and manipulation wow, to lure fucked. these girls and the one guy into a false sense of security. Um, wow. He's basically gaslighting, manipulating, gaining their confidence. Yeah. And here's a quote from one of the articles to give us an introduction. He narrowed the distance between the two people by disclosing his own personal information. Um, by counseling them to heighten their interest in death. So yeah. he was basically getting them to accept him as um, someone who would help them through their their tendency of wanting to die mm-hmm. um, without hesitation, without criticizing them, gaining their trust, and then getting a sense of how can I get you here to get you to uh, die in my arms. So... Oh my God. They knew they were going to die? They knew. They wanted it. Oh, okay. That's what it... It was okay, like... Yeah. it's So they wanted to commit suicide, and they wanted someone to be with them to help uh, the situation, I guess. Right? Yeah, oh that's God. really sad, bro. It's and the thing really is, sad. You know, with Japan, I know their um, suicide... Suicide. Oh, my God. Suicide rates are very high and depression mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, did you know? I think I might have mentioned this in one of your other episodes that um, in Japan they have like um, the hi- highest number of like people that are like older that are virgins. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, I have heard. Yes. Because I, 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 yeah. I think that also like feeds into like they're, they're not into um, like they don't have a lot of stuff that gives them actual pleasure. Like they're very much like work, work. like mm-hmm. go home. It's like a culture of. Their work life of balance like, is is bad. really bad. Yeah. It's like what seventy plus hours a week for some, some of them. Some people work like that, yeah. And then there's some people that have completely disclosed themselves from society, and mm-hmm. then I forgot the name, but they uh, Hikikomori. I talk yes. about it. I talk about it a little bit later. They're okay. complete social outcasts yes. who who are pulling away from the normal stream of um, regular uh, everyday life because they yeah. don't want to succumb to. The natural flow of what that culture means yeah. so they away from friends away from family and they pretty much live in an entirely online um, profile as a life wow. wow so Shirashi developed his techniques and tactics from working in the sex industry in Tokyo's red light district by mm-hmm. being a scout who lured women into working for him and his company how old is he he was 27 when he was finally captured when wow. he finished high school, he I think he worked at a supermarket for a couple of years, fell into a bad crowd, and then from his early 20s, that's when he did, he was in the sex industry. Damn, because I'm like, 
that is really young and as like a young person too like you were saying his victims were 15 to 26 yeah so if like someone online coming and reaching out to you like is young in their 20s i'd be like oh like i feel like because you're around the same mm-hmm. age too it's i don't know i feel like it's easier it to maybe build that connection mm-hmm. yeah and I don't know. I wouldn't think. Oh, that's so fucked. It's weird, right? Yeah. Like it's already like just starting. It's already just fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was creating an environment that allowed people who were serious about suicide a safe place to end their lives, and he offered to help them in favor of being able to watch. So he took advantage of their suicidal weaknesses, heightening their psychological dependence on him. Um, and according to Sugahara, which is a director of the Kyoto University Student Support Center, he was essentially brainwashing them because they're already in a um, vulnerable state. They're more susceptible to just listening to someone who actually cares about them. In the end, eight female bodies were found mutilated with one man. All the women were sexually assaulted. The bodies were mutilated and covered in cat litter to cover up the evidence. Wow. Oh my God. He admitted that he assaulted all if not most of the women with the intention of raping them and then killing them afterwards he was finally caught by a family member who was following a prospect victim's online um, trail got into their twitter account found the addresses and followed them and in the end he was found in his one bedroom one bathroom apartment with over 280 human bones (gasps) he hid these bones in fear of getting caught um, when he was finally getting um, caught, he had a quote that says, there is no doubt that I was trying to hide the body of the person that I'd killed. Um, I dismembered them in the bathroom, and I disposed of some of the parts in the garbage. Wait. <laughs> so he, had, he, he admitted to killing nine people in August of 2017. The article that I was reading was posted in October 2017. So, August, September, October. Three months of just decaying bodies, right? Pretty much. Um, Wait, so he did this all in the span of... He killed all of the nine people in the in the one month? I think it was over the course of two to three months. Two he said it was a very short period of time that he had got everything together. And then he got caught three months later. He got caught did three he, months later. Did he try, um, like, you know, I guess your killers when they try to kill, like, not kill bodies, but dispose of the bodies like Mm -hmm. did he just have them laying around like did he was trying to use chemicals and so i i don't think he used chemicals it seems like that he disposed of the bodies through their garbage disposal so he probably just cut them up took out the big pieces my god um and then to pick up so this is something we we do for spills at work or whatever is if you put cat litter over fluids um it clumps together right so all the blood all the fluids all the excrement and stuff like that you put cat litter on it you can pile it together and then you can put it inside of a garbage bag and just dispose of it that's Uh, actually kind of smart yeah it is kind of smart to make less of a mess but that doesn't solve the smell issue which Mm -hmm. i do end up talking about later um so takahiro shirashi 27 was uh, admitted to killing nine people since late august um he said that he'd come to know the nine victims through twitter and killed them after luring them into his apartment with offers of helping them to die. Mm-hmm. A message that was posted on one of the Twitter's accounts, uh, one of the women's, one of the victims, was on September 20th. She said that she was looking for someone who will die with me. The message said she wants to die but is scared of dying alone. This woman was living in a group home in Sajiochi where residents can receive assistance from psychiatric social workers. The operative facility declined to answer any questions about residents due to privacy issues, but she did say that they were allowed to go out freely. So my, my thoughts on this is, first and foremost, our main victim um, lived in a group home mm-hmm. receiving help from social workers, which is very telling of the kind of environment that she was living in, yeah. her mental state, probably relationship with her family was strained. She needed help, and she was living in a group home to get that help. Um, as a consequence of that, they're in a very vulnerable place and state, as we mentioned before, and as a consequence, they're easy prey. The operator who spoke, um, when she says that they were free to come and go as they please, for me, this is my analysis of it, that doesn't sit very well with me, right? It sounds like she's either was aware of something, is covering something up, or is just trying to cover the facility's tracks for being held responsible for the murder. 
because if she still wanted to kill herself while in that environment, then the facility isn't doing its job properly, right? Okay, yeah. That's what I'm suggesting. Well, yeah, because that's what they're supposed to be there for, is to, like, be helping her, be on right? watch as well. And yeah. it's kind of like, while she's there and during that time is when she got <laughs> murdered. Yeah. So. so her brother had contacted the police on October 24th, saying that she'd been missing since October 21st. So about a month after that tweet was um, brought out. Um, her brother used her Twitter account password and found that she'd been exchanging messages with Hanging Pro, Shirashi. And Shirashi had told the police after he was caught that one of the messages he had sent said, let's die together. So the intention was, I'll kill myself and you'll kill yourself and we can both die. Oh. Right, and leave this world in a safe place. Um, Surashi's neighbors expressed shock and belief when the news of the nine bodies had been discovered in his apartment. One neighbor described the suspect as a cheerful and kind, polite man, and he could not believe that this had happened. Mm-hmm. Conversely, a resident on the same floor of Surashi's apartment noticed a foul smell coming from his room around August. It was a kind of smell that he had never smelled before. He thought it was sewage. Um, they mentioned that a ventilation fan was always running and some of the residents found it odd that it was smelling so bad. Yeah. Pause. I would find the smell of sewage in my apartment more than just odd. Right? Oh, you live in an apartment. You, you live in an well. apartment. You know what I realize? A lot of these stories is like the neighbors, there's these signs that they just ignore. Like they just were like, oh, that's kind of weird. But like they won't say anything. Like this mm-hmm. must have, so like... From my understanding, this went on for months, anywhere between August to October. So that's a lot of months of just sewage coming. Like that's your living environment. Yeah, you, you don't eat, sleep, call, breathe there. Like, you don't want to call Lord. somebody. Like, hey, what's going on? Is our buddy okay over here? Yeah. So on, you don't want to ask no questions. And considering, I don't know, when I went to Japan, it was fairly clean when I went, and there wasn't a whole lot of like sewage like you know or anything like that so if i were to be living there and suddenly i smell this smell i'd be like okay something you know is wrong maybe there's a leak like you would want to call especially like a foul smell a foul mm-hmm. smell like, like how do you... something you've never smelled before as a neighbor i'm calling as a neighbor <laughs> it's, <laughs> the same right it's, so yeah japanese culture they're very clean they're very clean exactly, people. So. It's, it's instilled in their culture, in their schools. Yes. They don't have, I don't know if this is true or not, but they don't have, like, just garbages on the street or whatever. They because, don't. Because what part of their culture is to whatever trash they have, they bring it with them. Mm-hmm. And then they yes. dispose of it accordingly when they get home. That was a kind of like a culture shock for me because I was holding, like, a granola wrapper. And I'm like, where's the garbage? Kept walking for, like, 20 minutes and did not see a garbage. And I realized after that was part of their culture that it's just not there you, you know like to people don't just it. don't eat on the street as they're walking yeah. like on the go they're like you know they don't do that they don't exactly. eat on the subway like it's not a thing and that was just yeah. like interesting so this whole story like even as a neighbor like if it's like your neighbor is not throwing out their garbage like maybe would you want to tell them do you confront them by no <sighs> bro it's hard it's hard that's disgusting, too. Um, so, okay, let's go over a little bit of a character profile and what other people were saying. Yes. According to an 84-year-old man who was an acquaintance of Shirashi's family, Shirashi seemed to be a young man who cared a lot for his family, mm. who was often seen visiting his father, who lived alone in Zama, which was another city in the Kanagawa prefecture. Mm-hmm. His mother and younger sister had left the family home several years before. Another neighbor in his 70s recalled Shirashi's father happily telling her that he was going for a drink with his son. So it seems like he was a family dude. He cared a lot about his uh, father who was older and living on his own. Mm-hmm. So murder and rape and killing is kind of out of character. But another man who recently moved near Shirashi's family home says that he saw Shirashi dressed in all black several times late at night during the fast few months. He was sitting in front of the door looking at his cell phone. It was creepy. That is creepy. It is creepy, Ugh. but like maybe he just works night shifts, or maybe he's just doing his own thing, or maybe Wait, he's just he was a sitting, owl. He was sitting in front of the door, like just staring at his phone, and so, so like on the inside of the door, staring outside, looking 
I, I think he was just outside looking at his phone. Oh, okay. Like, just, just on the porch or like, something. Like, if you're going out for a smoke. Oh, okay. Or, like, you're just enjoying the night light or whatever. Like, I don't find that super yeah, creepy. I, yeah, I mean, I right? wouldn't think about mm, it too much. But no, like, I would. You would? I would, because I live in an apartment, and anyone that just stands outside their door, and then you come out, you're kind of like, what? Mm-hmm. And they're just standing at their phone, like, why don't you just go inside? You know what I mean? So I this think... is his family home, not his apartment. Oh, this is his family, his family home. home yeah, oh, so. like he could just be outside, like. Okay, then that is different. I thought it was his apartment. I would have been like, "That's." Weird. If you're standing outside the door of your apartment, like, did you lose your key, or do you need something? Do you need help or something yeah, like that? Yeah. Right. Like I can understand like asking questions for that, but I live in a house. Sometimes I'm outside just staring at my phone, smoking. Hang- I guess hanging it also out. depends, like how late at night. Because if it's like super super late, maybe we're just I guess that's kind of overanalyzing. Overanalyzing. but you maybe could you could also be a night owl. So like, how do I know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're just overanalyzing that. Um, so there was someone who was employed in the same business as Sarashi, who posted on Twitter before all this came out. Watch out for the scout. And if you take a look at the uh, document, there's a photo of a apartment complex near a railroad and it actually directly points to where his appointment apartment is so it sounds like whoever this unnamed person is on twitter had it out for sarashi so what i'm suggesting is he had enemies Mm. yeah this is a guy that used to work with him so yeah someone who worked in the same industry or in the same business so sex trafficking uh tokyo red light district um illegal gambling and uh, sexual coercion and stuff of that sort so somebody in that industry did not like him and was telling him to keep an eye out for it. So I don't know what watch out for the scout means directly, mm-hmm. right? And I would like your analysis on that. But it sounds like mm-hmm. Buddy knew something that he didn't want to say or had it out for him. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm trying to think about it, but... Watch out for the scout. Yeah. And he posted on Twitter? He posted this on Twitter. Was and it, it was like of mean? the of the building of his building mm-hmm. his condo or yeah, apartment exactly where his, his apartment would be oh, described that's, as oh that's weird it sounds like he did not like this guy right? if someone's watching him maybe like they're trying to make a move on him like maybe yeah because especially yeah. in that industry like if you i mean like it's 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 kind of like it's dangerous if you do something you know something maybe you're not supposed to know like they're gonna get rid of you, right? Because yeah, then exactly. you can blow like a whole operation or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so maybe yeah. that, maybe that's the case. But that's kind of, that's kind of weird. weird. Like posts on Twitter, like watch out. Like that's weird. Yeah, that's really weird. So the, I don't know. I don't the, know this raises a lot of questions for me. It doesn't really answer anything about like his character. Mm-hmm. It just adds a little bit of mystery to Sarah. Yeah, I was about to say it's it's more of like. Like now, what did he get? What guy? did he? What did he get into? Like what did what did what has he done? Well, so is what I want to know because that's what yeah. that's kind of like. So it had to be something in the red light district. It had to. So it too. definitely had to do with something with something illegal, with yeah. you know yakuza potentially, right? Because red light district relationship oh, with yeah. illegal. The thing activity. is, if you, you know where he lives, like, can't you just go get him? Like, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of feels petty because it's on Twitter. It does yeah, feel petty. Literally, I'm like, why petty. are you posting it on Twitter? Like, just go get the guy. Like, if yeah. you're trying like, to go if get you're, him. If you're a real gangster, if you're really into that stuff, you know where he lives. Maybe that was supposed to be like maybe that was like a threat to him directly, like, hey, I know where you live, like, and I'm watching you. Potentially, yeah. It could have been something like that where it's like maybe because he I don't know. Maybe they're all on Twitter and that's how they scout people and that's actually how he started doing what he was doing. Oh, was that's how they would start with sex trafficking. It's like maybe they would do it through Twitter and so they're all like on Twitter and he knows that he'd see him posting that and being like, yo. Like, I'm fucking watching you. Mm-hmm. Like, watch what you're doing or, like, like some yeah. shit like that. That's, 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 that's a That's, good, a, that's yeah. a conspiracy, though, right? Yeah. Because you don't know how are they getting... Like, sex trafficking is weird. Like, they have a bunch of different shit that they'll do to, like, find you and, like, get you, right? Yeah, so yeah, Twitter yeah. could have been one of those tools. Yeah. I'm... Yeah. That I sounds like, like that, a yeah. good, like, theory, yeah. That, that's a better theory than I would have come up with. And that's why at least I'm like, wow, I just connected the dots. Watch out for the sky. <laughs> Watch out for the sky. So, so a little bit as about his childhood. Um, yes, I need to hear. Oh, this. I'm waiting for this. This one. part of this part of it is interesting. Uh, that the heading for the article was called "The Quiet Child Who Became a Sex Scout." People who mm. lived in the same neighborhood as Surashi described him as a quiet child who was able to socialize with his neighbors. 
At school, his grades were far from stellar, but he was attentive. He didn't especially stand out, but he wasn't necessarily gloomy either. He was straight middle of the pack. He enjoyed athletics, uh, such as baseball, was a good listener rather than somebody who would speak out about himself. Um, one person described him as normal, inconspicuous, and low profile, and that most classmates would not even recognize him um, when the news broke. But when the warning signs perhaps, uh, one of the warning signs that perhaps as an elementary school contemporary told the TV network is that Sirashi and his friends enjoyed choking each other for fun. What the heck? That's uh, fucking weird. During one time uh, while playing the choking game, he <laughs> Wait, once passed out. Game? Bro, actually... And- <laughs> Wait Sorry. a minute. Like, okay, the, okay. Think I've of done the... that with my friends. What? <laughs> oh my god, you're fucking weird. Okay. Because I said, what the heck? And then I just had a flashback. This is really bad. Please do not do this at home whatsoever. But my friends and I, we had this, um, I don't know if you ever heard about it, on like social media, where you choke each other and then the, you hallucinate. <laughs> <laughs> it's really bad. You could literally die from it. And then... Was you... this like a... Like, um... Like a, like a trend at the time? Like yeah. a challenge? It was okay. a trend at the time, and you pass out and you hallucinate, and then you wake up, and then... What the... <laughs> so bad. When I think about it, I'm like, well, we were really risking our lives, but that's why I literally like was like, whoa, that's fucked up, and then I just... It was like a weird flashback that I literally did that as a teenager. Like, I know you guys are looking at me like... <laughs> like, yeah, I'm definitely looking at you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely looking at you. Like... I think we still have videos of, like, one of my friends choking me, I'm choking my friend, like, and we're all choking each other. What the <laughs> fuck? I was gonna say, like, you know, I feel like back then as a kid, you do a lot of stupid shit, yeah. like, like, pantsing each other was a thing, and, like, a lot of, like, just stupid stuff, so I'm like, maybe that could have been, like, the Japanese version of, like, mm-hmm. this a fun little game. No, it reached Toronto, bitch, like, yep. that, <laughs> <laughs> like, that reached Toronto. Holy shit, wow, you learn something new every yeah, day, Yeah, you learn something new every day. Damn. Um, going backwards, <laughs> he, yeah, he once passed out while playing the choking game, and the friend wished to not be identified. A Japanese news article reported that two of the bodies showed signs, so these are the victims, signs of strangulation, and one of them had broken neck bones and bleeding patterns are typically associated with choking. Whoa, because we, okay, we didn't go that far. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah well, yeah, clearly. <laughs> fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, fuck. <laughs> so he, this, the creaky se- creepy sex scout was described as a gentle character. Mm-hmm. After graduating from high school in 2009, Sarashi got a full-time job at a supermarket but quit just over two years later. At that point, he decided to start working as a scout for sex parlors in Kabakuchi, Tokyo's biggest red light district. Wait, is it stated how old he is at this time of his life? Is this maybe uh, I think he's probably going to be about like 21, maybe okay. 22 when Damn, he was he got so, into the sex industry. That's so young. Yeah. That is. Damn. And the thing is so he was described as inconspicuous and low profile, which is kind of exactly what you want for somebody who's going to be in that industry exactly yeah. but i'm like how did he even just how did he even get into that though that's so random Can't connections connections yeah. money maybe he's got some sexual deviancy that he was just trying to explore it could even be like as mundane as he was working at the grocery store and yeah maybe he sparked up a conversation with someone and someone's like hey if you want to make more money come with me like usually that's that's how those things start like if you want to make more money like you talk to me and then you kind of get like sucked into that that's usually how those um recruitments kind of work okay um or like get people you know yeah so in february um doesn't say what year he was arrested and eventually held in a suspended jail sentence for recruiting young women into a sex shop in full knowledge that she pressed into prostitution Several people tweeted about a creepy scout and one apparently employed in the same business as the suspect posting a photo of him with the caption, watch out for the scout. So that, okay, that explains where that was coming from before. Yeah. Right? I didn't, I guess I didn't catch on to that earlier. Sirashi appeared to have a close relationship with his father um, after his mother and sister had left, which we discussed earlier. And a woman said... Uh, she was in a relationship with him until summer 2016 and described him as a gentle character who was never angry with women. 
When I told him I wanted to break up, he hugged me and said something like, don't go. So this is um, an account of a previous lover of his who didn't describe him with violent tendencies at all. Mm -hmm, that's really weird. So yeah. this was 2016. 2017 is when, when he starts he killing. Caught. Exactly. When he starts, he killing. starts killing he and starts then he gets subsequently off. caught. You know what stood out for me too is that, so his mom and his sister left, you said? Yeah. And he was with his dad. Yeah maybe that could have been like some sort of like resentment he had inside towards woman i don't know of, yeah, yeah and like he had a really close re relationship with his dad and maybe that's like a part of that is like how could they leave us and then and, he and then his girlfriend leaves him yeah and he experienced the same trauma that his dad probably went through ah yeah uh, so we're kind of getting a sense of where his mentality is yeah because i'm for me i'm like why like, I'm, like, there has to be, like, something that, like, leads up to you doing that, especially when everyone's describing him as, like, so gentle and nonchalant, kind, right? So I'm like, why did he do it? What's your turning agree, point? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, a good, that's a great point. Um, he was known on Twitter as a professional hangman, as, you know, at Hanging Pro. Okay. Um, things started to go downhill for Sarashi in June of 2016 when he told his father, I don't know why I'm alive. Oh. On August 22nd, he moved into a one-bedroom apartment in Zama. Um, in this, it's a suburb in Tokyo where he would be um, become the apparent scene of the multiple murders that we talked about mm -hmm. earlier. He set up several Twitter accounts advertising himself as a professional hangman, and he was contacting young women who said they had uh, suicidal tendencies. He's reported to have told investigators that he killed his victims as soon as he met them. And he wow. did he did some work on the bodies to cover up his alleged crimes. According to the Japan Japan Times, he told police that the first time he dismembered a body, it took him three days. Oh but the second time I was able to do it within a day. He's very open with the police about how he killed these these women. He was very, very just when like When you say like he killed them as soon as he met them, he like, didn't. He didn't though. I think he would. I think what he did is he gave them an address. How did he kill them? Well, he also Strangled, choking. Oh, choking. So, um, yeah. Like so stabbing? choking. Yeah. They're stabbing. Police wow, found scissors, okay. knives, <gasps> a saw, woodworking <gasps> tools in his in his apartment. The oh saw is probably God. how he dismembered them, though. Oh, like yeah. that's not actually how he. They were probably dead by then. Yeah, and then he just okay. Yeah. That makes so it was sense. it was probably just like traditional hand tools and stuff like that. It wasn't oh. like. But then there was also Tyler saying that he like sexually assaulted, like raped. Yep. Was that them. Act before or after? Uh, before they were dead. I was I looked into the oh. idea of necrophilia. I didn't find anything. Oh okay okay. Although it could be possible. And yeah, strangulation right. is always like um or is it stabbing is like a really for the killer it's like a more like intimate way of like yeah. you're it's very intimate with them and their like victim mm -hmm. way of killing someone i think it was stabbing too though no that, that, that was like That's a passion. Or was that like a passion okay yeah mm. um so several yeah several of the media reported finding scissors knives a saw woodworking tools in his flat one former hostess said on twitter that she had luckily escaped him um after her oh. parlor turned down sarashi who wanted to take her on a date <gasps> the parlor politely declined but if it hadn't, I would have been dead, wouldn't I? I get the chills just thinking about it, tweeted the woman. Oh my They're all God. tweeting. It's all on Twitter. And, and the, you know what? I, a lot of the stuff, like I, if you look at the notion, the document, I've got screenshots of his Twitter, oh which is the next part that I wanted to get into. Oh, okay. Right? So to quickly analyze it, if you guys want to pull it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a screen cap of his Twitter banner, um, which just has a black background. His PFP is an anime character with oh, I see. cuts on his wrists, on his neck, red eyes, and he just is smiling. I see this, yeah. Right, so it, in, in one sense, oh, it, can, so it, can, it can kind of like just look like a regular anime PFP of someone who just likes anime or whatever, but knowing this context, it gets so much more creepy. Oh, wait a minute. That's oh. so creepy. Yeah. And his following is very small, too. He's following 330 people. He's got 70 followers, right? Um, he's it? only got, like, 59 tweets. There's not a lot going on in his profile. It's very, very tight. It's very interesting. So his 
profile name or his at hanging pro um, was basically alluding to him who boasted knowledge about hanging to get in touch with people who wanted to commit suicide. Um, Sirashi believed oh. to have opened to was believed to have opened the account in September with a profile saying he wanted to spread knowledge of hanging and help those who are truly in pain. Using this handle, he replied to women with suicidal tendencies, mm-hmm. leaving messages such as "Let's hide it together." Did he just? Wow, like, this is like great well, marketing for himself, did, though. Like the the DP is on point. Like yeah, he got the all black crazy. background. <laughs> that's fucked. Like you know the D, the the fuck the um bio, bio too. It's just like yeah, like this is what I'm doing. Did he just like SEO like yeah, search? I guess so. Like for yeah, keywords, literally like, pretty much are, probably. He does yeah, probably what he probably did. Probably just wow. I so want to die engine. death. Yeah. Local, narrowed it down. Found people within the Tokyo area. Wow. And the thing is, so his approach on Twitter was so straightforward. It was so straightforward. It was so like, you want to die here? I'll come die with me. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. Like you. Right? Yeah. And he's by being on Twitter, he's not showing his face, so he can hide behind his online identity. Mm-hmm. Right. And all the skills that he had developed while working in the sex industry of scouting women taught him how to get women to be um, accepting of him yes. and to trust him, especially in Japan where the it's I guess it's probably a lot different of a culture for men and women. Mm-hmm. So I have some quotes from uh, Twitter and some interviews uh, of what some of the stuff he said. Um, one of his Twitter quotes is, it is not good to tell friends, family members, and social networking sites that you're going to die before committing suicide. It sounds like he's giving advice. Like he's Wait, like. Why did he say that though? I don't understand. He that. said that on Twitter. Like oh. it was just a tweet he put. It was a tweet he just put out in the general area. So maybe he was just like a warning to all the people who want to kill themselves. Oh, like don't put that. Don't don't post this oh. because someone's gonna follow you and someone's gonna find out, and someone's gonna try to stop you. Yeah, someone's gonna try and help you. You don't want that. You don't want you don't want someone to help you. Oh, that's fucked. Like you let me help you. Let me help you. We'll keep it on the DL. This is an exchange between you and I, right? Um, I think the next is a, a quote of what he said during an interview, is that the symptoms of bullying were everywhere, mm-hmm. at school and work, and there must be a lot of people who suffer so much that they tried to commit suicide. I want to help people like that. So he attracted them on social media who were still some of the girls still in high school, 15 to 26, some of them who were in college, some of them who just had jobs, who were probably victims of bullying, who were probably in um, less than great home situations or work situations and circumstances that it's just like, I don't want to be alive anymore. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of begs the question, like, does he really want to get them, like, to help them? Or is he just giving that off as, like, his face? He's just presenting, I'm just going to help you. But I'm going to help you not get better with this, but I'm going to help you just kill yourself. Just end it. Just ending it. I'm, get, like, I'm getting sick to my stomach. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah. Right? Um, another one oh, of his tweets. Um, I want to help people who are really suffering. Please message me anytime. Damn. Because honestly, like, someone can be like... That, that does sound very manipulating. Yeah, it You is. know what I mean? Like, it's so, it's so manipulating. Because, like, he's, like, trying to convince this person that it is better and then you're doing the right choice. Like, mm-hmm. can you imagine? That's so And, like, I know up. you're scared, but, like, I, you know, I can be here to help you with that. Like, oh, we can do this. So, we can do this together. So like, weird. And I don't, yeah, like, Tyler, like you said, I don't think his intention was ever, he's not helping them. It was, like, he wanted to, like, he probably had this, like, maybe thirst or, like, that he wanted to kill people and these people were just easy yeah. targets and he was like i'll put on the guys that i'm like helping them yeah. but then i can get what i want out of them which is like to kill you in the way that i want to kill you yeah mm-hmm. and get that pleasure for himself yes so then one of his final quotes during oh, his interview yeah go and ahead. maybe his thing was like they want to die anyways like if i kill them it's just like i'm technically i'm giving them what they want right and yeah. he's getting what he wants too yeah so maybe he that's how he justified he, it yeah. for himself. Oh, for sure. Was oh, like, I sure. am helping them. Like, I'm killing them. Like, so, they're, they're uh, no longer on this earth. Yeah. Oh, it's um, fucking goosebumps. So then this is a, 
this is one of his quotes from one of his interviews with the police officer. I had no intention of killing myself at all. None of the victims wanted to die, actually. So that's a really weird quote because he's saying, okay, he ha- he doesn't want to kill himself, so clearly his intentions of killing are that. None of the victims wanted to die, actually. That is weird because it kind of just a hard stop and it leaves the ending ambiguous. Yeah. Is he saying that when he was trying to kill these girls or these people that they struggled and that they, yeah. they at the end when he was killing them, they actually didn't want to die and they were just lying to themselves? Is that what he's suggesting? Because... I think that is what he says. It leaves yeah. a lot of... Because it's like, why would he say that? Oh, they didn't want to die, actually. Because he found them on Twitter saying they wanted to die, right? But then right. when he maybe finally got them there, and he was like, okay, I'm going to fucking kill you, maybe there was like a no, like, please don't... Actually, kind you, of, you know, yeah, your adrenaline breaks up, and then you don't want to Yeah, you're like, that. wait, no, I actually don't want to die. But he would kill them anyways. That happens a lot to... Let's say, for example, a lot of um, survived suicide attempts that a lot of these victims say like once they're about to do it or they're in the middle of doing it they regret it and then obviously by a miracle they they survive but that happens a lot of like change change mind that you actually don't want to do it so that i think i kind of follow that more that maybe they realized in the moment that they don't want to yeah so finally um to talk about our victims um i have someone who was on twitter who collected photos and PFPs of all the victims um, and gave their ages. So as you can tell, the youngest victim was 15 years old. Oh my god. Um, Going all the way up to 26. I don't see the man on here, or is he... Um, Shogo Nishinaka, 20 years old. Oh, okay. Bottom right corner. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Yeah. Oh my so gosh, that's so sad. Being able to like put a face to the victims makes it all the disheartening. Yeah, it makes sure. it so much worse. Um, so sad. Motive. So, this is this is kind of like the dissecting part, right? Okay. Um, Shirashi was very very blunt, and he said that his victims were the objects of desire he said this to the metropolitan police department Mm -hmm. at the detention house he just said it this guy just doesn't give a fuck he's like yeah i did it and they didn't want me to what the fuck (laughs) he's fucked like yeah it took me a couple days the first time but then i got better actually and then it took me only one day to get rid of the body exactly he claimed his motive was sex he wanted to use the victim's vulnerable states to manipulate and sexually assault them, fulfilling his fantasies, and not have to worry about them denying his advances. What? Holy fuck. When I read that, my jaw dropped. What the fuck? That's so fucked up. I feel like I just keep saying what the fuck, like, maybe every couple paragraphs. It's so warped. I can't believe people his like this fantasies, like, his fantasies of, like, maybe, of, like, having sex with them and then murdering them? Yeah, his... Holy sick, twisted fantasy. Fuck, that's so fucked. This takes sexual deviancy to a whole nother level. Okay, oh, yeah. See, and sure. this is when you can say not all. Never mind. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Let's just never mind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. So let me do a little bit of like, uh, so we were talking about earlier, like a little bit about the Japanese culture. Okay. Right. So I'm not Japanese. Not born and raised in this culture. I've never been to that side of the world. I do want to go one day. Mm-hmm. So I do need to preface this by saying this is truly an outsider perspective in a world that I'm not familiar with. So with choosing to withhold judgment about the intricacies of the culture and the socioeconomic hierarchy, I, I'm i not saying anything this is innately bad, what I'm saying. I'm just saying this is how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I am familiar with their media. I'm familiar with their TVs, movies, video games, anime, manga. I've done serious academic critical analysis about their media um, i.e. my undergrad, um, my thesis, um, talking about socio-political and significances of things like Godzilla, the fetishization of East Asian cultures. So I am familiar with this, and I am like probably a well-touted person to be able to uh, analyze the uh, material speak here. speak on it a little right? bit. Okay. So I think it's safe to say that there's something definitely significant um, about 
um, Western civilization idealizing Eastern civilization. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, they're so innately different that it's hard to have a conversation of because they're so apples to oranges. This case study is a pertinent example of breaking the idealized version of what Japan is and bringing it back to ground zero as a real nation state that is susceptible to crime and to social issues just like yeah. any other culture, right? So a lot of people who are weebs, weeboos, you know, like it's becoming more and more of a, a cultural phenomenon, kind of see Japan as this, um, you've probably seen the meme, if you look it down, it's like, here's here's just any place and it's just a regular attitude to it, but then the moment you put Japan on it, it's like, oh my god, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, But that's true. Right? There, there are serious cases in Japan um, of people who are complete menaces to society, right? They, they are, they, they have mm-hmm. serial killers. They have people who were, you know, s- sexual assaulters, rapists, murderers, serial killers. Um, and those who know this are, can recognize them as detriments to, to society. But the general consensus of people will say, oh, it's just Japan, man. They're just that. Which is true because even for me, like, again, a culture shock was, um, women only carts on the subway and that just goes to show how normalized it is for them for sexual harassment and assault and pictures and all that stuff like that like i think not just in japan too i remember seeing like a tiktok of a girl who moved i think it was to maybe korea or it might have been it might have been tokyo i can't remember but it was like one of those one of those two um and saying that like people say oh you know in japan it's safe blah 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 but they were like no it's not like the same things happen here and like do not stand on this specific like subway platform by yourself like someone will come up to you a man will come up to you and like harass you and there's like just so many girls on tiktok posting like oh like you know i was i was told when i go to japan like oh it's so much nicer than wherever and like it's safer but it's not and like there's this like idea that it's safer there and people are so nice and blah 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 but it's like it's the same thing here that it is well you know i do think that it was a little bit safer but i mind you i wasn't by myself as a woman when i went i went with my partner at the time so it did feel safer than it was like the streets were a lot more quieter but then you can honestly like flip that and be like well that's kind of eerie that the streets Mm -hmm. were much more quieter and you know even being on the subway car like women only like that's like we i don't have we don't have that in toronto having a woman only car and for them like that was their solution of like trying to minimize harassment and assault the fact that they have a woman only cart says a lot yeah and men for example like men are not allowed to go in the car unless that is your partner unless they can stand and say like this is my partner coming with me if you're a man by yourself you are not allowed to go in that car um and there was a store too where i remember it was like again only women are allowed to come in the store and it was like a makeup like beauty type store and um your partner if it's a man like he cannot be further than you than three feet he needs to be beside you yeah and i remember reading that because like we were just walking and then I noticed that my partner started like moving away from me and I said no 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 you can't do that like you need to stand beside me if we're gonna go in the store like and I had to show him the sign and we read that and I remember being like that to me that was a culture shock and there's you know so many little even mini articles of the like I guess some perversion even too like you can buy underwear from a vending machine those are very popular yeah everyone knows yeah like I didn't see that but like the fact that you can do that that's perverted you know what I mean like that's kind of weird yeah and i i find that initially i was like oh that's so cool like i could just buy it from a vending machine but then you think about (laughs) it you're like that's pretty fucking gross dude like like, wait a minute and that's perverted (laughs) like it is like a sexual perversion yeah and it's just i just because they're so sexually deprived like i was saying in japan i feel like they have falling birth rates in japan currently like their population is going down people are less interested in sex for -hmm. whatever cultural reason yeah and i honestly Oh, I lost my thought. Never well, maybe because that's kind of like, um, not looked down upon, but it's just like not as, uh, like it's like you keep that underground. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you don't see oh. people in the street like being like affectionate with each other, maybe. Like that's not something that you um, show off. And so it's kind of like mm-hmm. not as many people are like scared to. I just think for a lot, of, a lot of topics are more taboo for taboo, them. Taboo, yes. Uh, yeah. Like harassment assault like maybe it's just not 
here i feel like you know for example we have like the me too movement and stuff like that or like think about the tv shows we have too like too hot to handle and like those kind of shows that's like very like sexual i don't know if they have that kind of stuff in japan Oh, or if do. that's like it's, it's, they, do. they do it's like it's all over like manga and okay. anime and stuff like yeah. that like, like if like you go downstairs like even when I went to like um like an anime store like manga and stuff like that if you go downstairs bro everything from the ceiling to the floor is covered in hentai yeah and it's fu- <laughs> I'm not even joking like the ceiling the ceiling like it's there's wallpaper on the ceiling if you look down a whole like lolita like like thing is there and that's fun too even like the like the, sexualizing the lo- uh, little girls and yeah. stuff like that it's just like, like it's already yeah like and then like. there's TV on top of that TVs of showing uh hentai everywhere and I remember we cause we were obviously curious we're curious we're tourists you, we walked downstairs and we're like oh and we walked back back up because <laughs> it was awkward and we're like I've never seen such thing like <laughs> I've never seen I have ne- never seen such thing like I mean we have porn stores here but like not like that yeah yeah and the fact that like we still toys you can buy toys but it's not like like at Spencer's but like it's not like that's hidden in the back of the store the or hidden whatever. it's like the it, at Spencer's it's like inconspicuous packaging yeah you know it's like a little bit more concealed Japanese media in general is just hypersexualized. Yeah. It's very hypersexualized. Like some of the most popular like um shows within the past few years are just like big T D anime girls. Right. <laughs> and that that's one of the main it's like so selling weird. parts like, of it too. Incest, like yeah. all like the everything. Everything is so weird. Like people that um you think that that's where people get their sexual pleasure from and it's oh, not, yeah. like they don't actually like They'd rather be reading or watching hentai than they're actually actually pursuing in real life. Because it's accessible, right? And then because if it's all hentai, it's also the fantasy is able to be created. Yeah. Whatever fetish, you know, you can And it can be hidden behind closed doors. Yeah. Like your fantasy for, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, incest or whatever. That's hidden between you and your books, you and your phone, you and whatever. And no one in the world needs to know about it, right? And it's never going to come out because... You're never going to explore that in real life, but then it just gets really fucked up because you become delusional, right? Where your entire life and your fantasies and all this stuff becomes super real. So maybe Sirashi got really, really into, like, um, some sort of weird niche um, sexual fantasies, and as a result, while he's working at the supermarket, you know what? He starts going down the rabbit hole. He found someone on Twitter who's like gonna introduce him into that fantasy world, and the red light district isn't too too far from him, so now he found work. So he's mm-hmm. exploring his sexual deviancy. He's making work out of it, and he's satisfied with his day to day, because a big thing in Japan, and this is something that I'll talk about in a moment, is that there's a lot of expectations to succeed, mm-hmm. right? And there's a lot of like cultural norms that you have to follow, and some people because the expectation is so high if they don't want to and they just want to be themselves or just be different they'll fall into those places very very easily which is what we talked earlier about the hikikomori mm-hmm. which is uh, a to, to to bring it back to my notes it's a form of severe social withdrawal and has been described frequently in japan as characterized by adolescents and young adults who become recluses in their parents homes unable to go to work or school for months or for years right and it's just because of they would rather choose extreme social isolation to avoid the incredibly high expectations to succeed in japanese culture i think i've seen on tiktok where they said a number it's like they believe it's about almost almost like above one million i think almost i've actually seen um people. now that like i'm thinking about it on pinterest like people there's like the Pinterest, yeah, like how did you see that on Pinterest? Because it's made into an aesthetic. Oh, that's that. Okay, that's fucked up too. Yeah, that's fucked up. Guys, because I'm like, wait, I know what you're talking about, but I couldn't put a finger on where I seen it, and it was on Pinterest. Like, I remember, like, it's an aesthetic, and I'm there was like um an anime picture of like a a girl, and (laughs) it was like she's just like chilling in her bedroom, like headphones on, and it was like very, it was like more like dark, gloomy kind of picture, and it was just like. That was the vibe, and I'm like, I feel like that's where I seen it. Okay, that makes sense. Because yeah. when, like, when you made told me into Pinterest, I was like, 
What? Yeah. I was like, so you're gonna say yeah, Twitter or something. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, YouTube document documentaries, like short documentaries oh, on the yeah. topic. So I think Vice has done some stuff. I think some um, independent uh, people or independent documentary makers and stuff like that. So I've watched a couple of them, and mm-hmm. these people are literally just I work from home. I I have a small apartment. I have no friends. My entire life is my online personality because I can't stand the you know expectations of my family or expectations of social norms and all that type of stuff mm-hmm. so they they completely withdraw isn't it like some of them it's like it hasn't has been over like 10 years since they've over 10 years so yeah. then how do they get groceries the order Fuck i wonder yeah. if they can ship it to your like you can get it sent to you like groceries it's probably people who just go to the uh local convenience store and just eat ramen every single meal oh wow yeah so um this is a obviously a very serious social issue within their culture um that's i would say is directly correlated to mental illnesses yes right i think i think there's no question about that um and can come from uh forms of trauma based pressure from family society school social structure um pressure that forms from collective uniformity which is a, a great way of describing it as a fear of social shame is deep-rooted in japanese culture right yeah i feel like that is the perfect way to say it yeah mm-hmm. collective uniformity it's, it's one way of describing like everyone's kind of got to fall into this flow and anyone who doesn't fall into the flow you cast aside because yeah. that's not what japan wants or that's not what japanese uh, mainstream culture is trying to pr- uh, to show off yeah and I'm, I'm not saying that these um these is- social issues are distinct to japan because they exist here in canada Mm-hmm. They exist in the States, they exist in Europe, they exist, you know, like, everywhere in the world in some way, shape, or form. But I think they're elevated um, due to the incredibly high um, competitive nature of Japanese culture, their work ethic, their um, day-to-day. And it ex- it's expressed through a very significant suicide rate in Japan. Um, if you do your research, Japan, among developed countries, and not including, like, places in the third world has one of the top three suicide rates yes in the entire world that's true if you look at their subways too again like they have um well because i feel like um these things that prevent sorry. you from jumping what do you call it yeah I, I don't yeah i forget what they're called they're, they're okay something like that yeah like if from like here in, in toronto like you we don't have that you can just like technically you just jump into the railing right mm. over there they have like open doors and everything pre- to prevent you from jumping off because too many people will jump off and that was another culture shock which was kind of creepy to me because i was not creepy but like so sad that they the city has to build that to prevent people from that because work life is just so terrible and they even have like what a suicide force too Mm -hmm. like yeah you know and it's just you know too many people honestly glamorize japan you know obviously has this beautiful landscapes and you know culture and everything but i think too many people think it's like the next big si- best city sometimes well i think people see it as like so cute right everything is so cute yeah. but that was apparently um they kind of like rebranded themselves as that after i don't remember which like if it was like a civil war like a war that went on and like japan did a lot of fucked up shit and like everyone oh, hated them yeah. everyone hated japan because they were doing like this fucking like fucked up shit that they were doing and then they kind of rebranded it's like wait no like we're cute and yeah. then, like, that's how they got everyone to kind of, like, oh, like, Japan, like, they're so... And then they got that aesthetic. Like Hawaii. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, so the stuff that they pulled in Pearl Harbor during World War II, they were flying planes yes. into... Thank you. Straight into the, into the American ships. No. Oh. And then I think there's a specific... I forget what it is. But they were at war with China during the Second World War, and they just murdered villages, just decimated Right, and did a bunch of war crimes that people don't like to talk about. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the, a lot they of kind of want people to forget about exactly, and they've dramatized. Obviously, that's just a result of their government. There's not their people as yeah. a whole. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, but after World War Two, they settled down so much because Japanese imperialism is deep, 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 deep rooted in their history, in their culture, in their mm-hmm. folklore. And the idea of them being better than everyone else and we're a, a cultural juggernaut and we are the best warriors in the world, that's so deep-rooted. Um, world War II is where they got humbled because their technology was 
five steps behind what the other countries were. So Hiroshima and Nagasaki, they have the atomic bombs dropped on them. As a consequence to them, they got humbled. They got humbled real quick. Um, and it's just seeing this proud nation pre-World War II get turned on its head into somewhere that's just depression. It was, uh, there was no money, so there was a recession. The people were at an all-time low for like morality. Mm-hmm. Suicide rates were going up, and there's nothing. Um, in order for them to start to develop themselves back up, it was the 80s and it was the 90s, it was through media, it was through cars, it was through technology. So that's why a lot of major companies nowadays, like Sony, right? Um, car companies like Toyota and Honda Nissan. and stuff like that, Nissan, yeah. they're all Japanese, Yeah. right? They make so good cars too. They make good cars too. So it's, it's interesting to see the history of it and how the consequences of it of who they were flipped on their head to the way they, you know, see the world now. Mm-hmm. So one other thing I was going to mention too was I remember I did like a cultural studies course, and we would look at um, Hofstede's um, kind of like I think it was Hofstede, um, like the cultural, like kind of like how you measure like different um, different things in a culture. So like you can measure like what is like the amount of like pleasure in a culture. Are they more like a pleasure culture or like um, are they more reserved? Are they more like how tolerant are they? versus like intolerant or um independent versus um collective and i feel like um that would be something interesting to look at for japan especially when you're looking at like one of the new ones um was like the one that i mentioned about pleasure and like how Mm -hmm. like much do they give into like pleasure in their culture and i feel like like you were saying they're more like a reserved Mm -hmm. like strict kind of like this is how we are and so i feel Mm -hmm. like maybe that could also be the reason why people feel like they're holding themselves back to that's just um I, I like that, because yeah. that can connect to sexual deviancy, right? If you wanted to look at it, so, um, so. says cultural dimensions, I, I'm pretty sure is what it was. I think that's, I think that's a really, really, yeah. yeah, I think that's a great point, because if you are so reserved, generally, right, and you're raised that way, and all of these pressures are put on you, sexual deviancy is one of those places where you can feel like you're in control, mm-hmm. and some people fall deeper and deeper and deeper into those um, to those niches. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that was a great point. So, um, to sum up everything that we talked about today, we discussed uh, the Twitter-based serial killer that goes by Hanging Pro. Mm-hmm. Um, he operated in one of the most densely populated cities in the world and uh, who had a history in the sex trafficking industry. He killed a total of nine people, uh, eight of them being women, who are all sexually assaulted prior to their death. And we did a close encounter breakdown of how he lured his victims and as well as explored his character, his childhood, his motives, and analysis, and, you know, gave our analysis of everything that came up as a result. And finally, we did a, you know, a little social discussion and dissection of the intricacies of uh, Japanese culture, kind of bringing into how can someone get to this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does it have any final thoughts at all, or...? Um, very interesting case. Yeah. Wait, I had a question. Was the yeah. man uh, sexually assaulted or no? Was That's that not mentioned? It's not mentioned. It's okay. not mentioned. And then, how uh, long is he going to be in jail for? Is he in prison for life? I feel like he would be, right? I'm pretty certain. Yeah, I'm pretty certain he's in prison for life. I don't think they have a death sentence over there, but mm-hmm. from my understanding, it's not, I, for, he's going to be in jail for pretty much until he's croaking. Oh, did you say croaking? Yeah, he's going until he croaks. Until <laughs> he croaks. Oh my god. Okay. That was Damn. that was freaky. That was actually really freaky. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy it. Because I have heard of that case before, but like on a five, ten minute like true crime video, you know what I mean? Where they give you like a two minute, sixty second mm-hmm. thing. So to kind of go deeper into this case and hear more about the background of him like his name and like everything about it was definitely interesting because when i heard about it, it was just like yeah oh this guy killed his victims through twitter yeah that's it that's why i knew um so that was really interesting and again you always kill it every single time yeah, it's your really, episode really great episode i yeah, love you always kill it I, I love how we talked about to like the culture i feel like that was a big part of maybe like building up who like who he became to be and how he got to where he was and so i think that was like a really interesting part of the episode too um yeah it's all all different pieces of the puzzle 
right? Yeah. Right, because when we do, like, a Western serial killer, we kind of already get a sense of, right, like, uh, the pieces of the puzzles because we live it. Yeah. But we don't, we don't live there. Yeah. Exactly. We're familiar with it, but we're, we don't live there. Exactly. We didn't grow up there. We don't know what their day-to-day seems like and feels like, and I think... That, dissecting it was a good idea yeah that and none of us are japanese either so none of us know the culture or have heard stories or, from like family or anything yeah like exactly exactly. Yeah. So, exactly so uh thank you guys for listening to the scared topless podcast be sure to follow us on ig and tiktok at scared topless for updates on our episodes and let us know what you thought of this episode um you can also send us an email if you have any future cases that you want us to cover or what you want to hear from us next until then we are, we are your, your hosts, hosts. And And we'll we'll see you next time. time.